Welcome to Chasing Compliance, the global regulatory podcast, where we discuss all aspects of medical device and pharmaceutical regulatory and clinical strategy from bench to bedside. Today, we're going to be mixing it up a little bit. I'm actually not going to host this episode. It's going to be hosted by a previous Chasing Compliance guest and one of my favorite people at Global, Jennifer Signori. So I'm going to hand it over to Jen now. Global has some exciting news. We are launching a new online platform through our Regulatory Technology Operations Division that will reshape the way that medical regulatory writers and other regulatory professionals are doing their job. In this episode, we welcome Jamie Hedgmans, Senior Manager for Global Regulatory Technology, who has actually been on every podcast episode to date, but is usually the one asking the questions. Everyone who's dealt with regulatory feedback data understands it's unlike other types of data. It's qualitative and quantitative. It's categorical and not categorical. It's there's some interpersonal elements. You don't need to use this software, but I think everyone should be looking at their regulatory feedback rigorously because it does hold a lot of secrets and good information for you and you can make your life and your job easier. Jamie holds a PhD in integrative physiology from the University of Colorado at Boulder. Prior to joining Global, Jamie worked as a research scientist at the University of Colorado for about 10 years, where he investigated the pathophysiological interactions between risk factors of cardiovascular disease, vascular function, and heart failure. In addition, Jamie worked as a freelance medical writer and scientific consultant for a while and then joined Global. He's been here for about three years and he spent most of that time as a CER writer, but is now leading the charge into regulatory technology. Hey, Jamie, welcome to Chasing Compliance. It's great to have you here today. Well, thanks so much, Jen. It's a little weird to be on this side of the chair, if you will. <laughs> Absolutely. We put you in the hot seat today. So uh, I think it's exciting to hear about what you have going on. Um, so we have some new regulatory technology happening at Global, I, you know, something that I think is going to really make a difference for so many of us that are in regulatory writing and regulatory professionals. So why don't you tell us a little bit about what we're doing here at Global and, you know, what what your project is all about? Sure, absolutely. So we're always looking at Global to new ways to innovate processes. You know, of course, regulatory work by nature is it needs to be methodical and regimented and structured within that framework. There's always ways that we can make things not only more efficient, but just more enjoyable for the writers. And so about a year and a half ago, I started taking a look at new technologies out there and then surveying the landscape of technologies within not only like regulatory, but quality and compliance and, and starting to realize that unlike many industries, it seems like regulatory affairs or the tools available to people in regulatory affairs, they're not progressing with the times, which in, in some senses makes a lot of sense because the regulations themselves don't necessarily change year to year. And, uh, you know, the famous quote for tech entrepreneurs in Silicon Valley is move fast and break things. Right. Um, and that's the opposite of what we want to do <laughs> from a regulatory standpoint. But I think that that, you know, that ideology for a number of reasons has resulted in the sector, the industry kind of being a little bit behind the rest of other sectors and other areas of business. And, and I think that there are a lot of really cool new technologies that we can bring into the fold that will act as as novel and interesting and exciting tools 
for the regulatory professional to help them do their job, certainly not replacing them by any means, but there's ways that we could make potentially life easier if we reimagined the technology that we have out that, that's available to us today and applied it in a way that makes sense for, for a regulatory firms. So with all this, we wanted to expand, explore more. And we, we noticed a couple of things that we were struggling with internally that I realized that we could build a couple of simple applications that would tremendously help us in those, in those efforts and, and endeavors and start to pull out some of the, the work that's more monotonous or more mundane for a, a long time before transitioning more over to, to this technology stuff. And there are many things that I did on a day to, not on necessarily a day-to-day basis, but many tasks, regular tasks that were quite route and routine. And, and one can envision a way to make that simpler and faster and easier and give people more time to focus on the things that they really love, like analyzing data and writing complex technical strategy and that type of thing, and, and spend less time managing and moving and, and copy pasting and, and those types of routine tasks. So that's really what came to be. We realized that, okay, there is a problem out in the industry right now that we can solve with this technology. And we can also bring new technologies that are just rapidly coming out on the artificial intelligence uh, machine learning side that we can incorporate into our day-to-day workflows to make our lives a a bit easier. And then these technologies weren't available, honestly, two or three years ago. There's some, there's a lot of technologies out that didn't necessarily exist a few years ago. Not, you know, not to get into too much of the details, but everything from software that allows web based applications to work much more efficiently and be much more powerful and also AI machine learning tools uh, and technologies that have really invented the only last only a couple of years ago, last couple of years and brought onto the scene. And there's, you know hundreds or thousands and thousands of people that are working on these technologies because the base technologies are open source and applying them to different areas. So our our goal is, yeah, to really come up with some, some neat and novel tools. We don't necessarily want to replace the tools that are out there, but either reimagine them or develop new technologies and tools that solve problems for people that haven't been solved just yet. We came up with a few good ideas and decided to form what we call the Global Regulatory Technology Operations Group or the GRTO group. And again, this this group is entirely focused on uh, developing tools for both us internally as writers and our, our, our work day to day, but also for the industry at large. I love what you were saying about uh, the software, you know, really being something that can be more efficient, more structured and your comment about Silicon Valley having the mentality of let's move fast and break things that struck a chord, but it reminded me of what I used to deal with when I was in bench science. And I know you were in bench science, the whole idea that you can only move as fast as the technology allows you. So, you know, we're limited by advancements in technology in the lab. When you're doing bench science, there's only so many things you can measure because you don't have the tools to measure them. So in developing this tool, you've really opened doors for those of us that are in regulatory writing and, you know, who are regulatory professionals. And um, I, I just think that's really exciting. So what was really one of the first things that you decided to tackle um, when thinking about this situation, when you were thinking about what needs to be in place to create this efficiency, what was your first 
step? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. A laundry list of things that we could go after as far as as problems. But we actually had a client reach out to us and 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 say, "Hey, we have this this problem we're trying to solve. Do you have any unique solutions?" And we realized that, oh my gosh, this is not only a problem that they're facing, but this is a problem that we're having to face right now. And that problem has two pieces to it. So one is the managing of multiple regulatory projects at the same time. So that can be regulatory submissions. It could be a piece of a submission. It could be an entire tech file. It could be a conversation. It could be a briefing booklet. It could be a series of tasks that need to can be completed as part of an annual QMS update any of these things, but almost every regulatory professional out there is working on a lot of things at the same time. It's the nature of regulatory work, right? Like it's hurry up and wait in many cases, right? You know, write, 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 compile, compile, submit, wait, wait, wait. And then now you start agency communication. All of us within Global, we're using kind of different off the shelf project management tools to do this or, or adapting tools that we use on a daily basis to be able to do this. And None of it was just none of it was perfect. Either it was too complicated or wasn't complicated enough. I didn't have the feature. No matter what, we couldn't like get it really to to work with the exact needs and wants of our writers and in the way we would want it to. And without having it be so incredibly complex or expensive that it was just wasn't a realistic option for us. So that's that's one side of it. So managing multiple to multiple regulatory either communication or submission projects. And the other one was. We get regulatory feedback. All of us that do regulatory submissions, almost of any type, you get some type of feedback from the the that you are uh, communicating to. This feedback is actually tremendously valuable, right? Um, not only does it tell you what the agencies are looking for, but they, it tells you what they're keying in on or where your potential regulatory weaknesses are and potentially your strengths if you look at it. And we noticed pretty much industry-wide some people were doing some compilation of this data or tracking this data to some degree, but a lot of people aren't. They're addressing it because it's kind of, you know, a panic, like, oh, we got to respond to these questions or findings as quickly as possible, get it back out so we can keep this regulatory process moving. But then they didn't stop once that was all done and take a look at all of your feedback and aggregate. I mean, this is really powerful for people, for companies that are doing lots of these submissions. Um, and we believe that if you you interrogate this data, even from a surface level or going a little bit even deeper, you can identify immediately common areas of regulatory feedback, common areas of questions, basically areas where you can improve your process or something is wrong often and areas of success. And you can you can start to compile the metadata around that like um, you know, what regulation, what time were they submitted, what was the regulatory agency, those type of things and start to to identify trends in this and start to predict what's coming next. Can you imagine, you know, if you could identify, if you could prevent even a few findings on a dozen submissions, that's potentially hundreds of hours of work saved. And then all, you know, we've noticed that people were working in, in silos uh, often. So they, you know, we, there was a regulatory team working on uh, products a, a, B, and C, and then a regulatory team working on D, E, and F, and they would get feedback on A, B, and C, and, and, and the other team would get feedback on D, E, F, and they wouldn't necessarily talk to each other. They could have the same, 
I've seen this. It was the same exact findings and, and, and project A and B and you know, B and E, you know, we had responded to both of these. Like I was on say, let's say I, I was on teams for projects A, B and C, and I had a colleague on teams D and F and we helped our companies with those. We wrote responses to the same fight, essentially the same findings um, and submitted them. We, we, we didn't necessarily need to do that and that their nature, they were fundamentally the same and we could have written the response once. And on top of that, I guarantee you these findings are going to uh, come up again, findings of the same nature. And so there, there may be, I'm not working on team a, you know, for the product a, B and C again. So that writer is going to have to write the response again if they don't find the last response. And so we wanted to build a catalog for this information. Now we tried initially doing this in Excel and yeah, you can do it in like a spreadsheet system, but man, the data gets really big and weird really quick. And on top of that, it takes a tremendous amount of time to enter some of this data if you do it by hand. So, but, but we also kind of realized why you should be looking at this information and why it's important to manage multiple projects and, and potentially the efficiencies that you can gain from that. But did that answer your question? Yes, yes. So it sounds like there's really two main issues that you're going to be addressing um, with this platform. And so are they all going to happen within the same application or is it something that really happens separately but in concert together? Tell me a little bit more about uh, the way that that design came together. That's a great question. Let me ask you a question. Sure. When you're managing projects, when you, you, you know, you're right now working on at least two projects right now that have different yes. deadlines and deliverables. You have also read regulatory feedback heading into a new project to try to understand kind of what didn't go as well last time and what we could do better this time. Absolutely. Do you find those to be those activities to be done at the same time at different times do you think those are necessarily the like they are two ends of one activity or two different activities um i think most of us tend to approach it as two different activities we're going to look into the feedback the regulatory feedback and then launch into the new the new project but I guess in a sense, they're really a continuum. Uh, You have what happened before, what's the feedback from that? And okay, now how can we make it better? How can we take this to the next level? I guess I've given you two different answers on that. (laughs) That is exactly almost to a T what we were thinking when we were designing these apps. So we originally designed them as one cohesive unit, but then decided No, these are mutually exclusive processes. Yes, they are part of the same pipeline, if you will, which you're doing when you're engaging in either of these activities. So so managing multiple projects through the entire life cycle, the submission life cycle, and then reviewing feedback for the corpus of feedback over, you know, the last year, two years, 10 years of submissions. Those are, you know, mutually exclusive in in a lot of ways. So we ended up writing up what's called a requirements document, which is what you want to do when you build software. It basically says like it should do X, Y, and Z down to like very minute details. Like that example of, and I don't know if you ever did in college or high school where you're like, teach me how to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And I've never made a peanut butter and jelly sandwich like that. Like 
like there you should be able to click on stuff you know maybe not that level of of detail as far as requirements but but really really detailed we started to see a pretty significant divergence um in in the requirements for each of these applications so we we built both of them with the same kind of grouping we they're both under the same name because they they're they're again like two sides of one coin but they they offer a user a completely different experience because the activities I think are fundamentally different to, to get to your point. So one of the applications, right, is to manage ongoing projects. Um, and the other is to examine, to kind of do basically an after action report on the project and be able to prepare for the next project. So while you're doing the project, you don't have all the information. You don't know how many findings you're going to get. You don't know what they're going to be about. Even when you're responding to the findings, you don't know how many rounds it's going to be. You don't know what it's going to look like. You don't, you don't necessarily have the full picture. And we, you know, we can capture information like budgets and hours worked and number of recycles. When you're in the thick of it, you're not, you don't necessarily know that. And, and if you are, you're probably so busy that you don't want to track this information. So we split out that more kind of detailed retrospective data analysis into its own application and then really built the, the project management tool for for those that are in the thick of managing multiple projects you know these these things can you know it's heavy heavy work for a couple of months and then they they sit dormant for six months and then they come up again and it's heavy heavy work and, and in those phases where you're on all you're caring about is getting the work done and when you're off you're in between you're working on something else so so we really want to focus on that on that and then make a really powerful sandbox for data analysis of re- retrospective historical feedback uh, for those that you know, when you're ready to do that activity and you're ready to dive into things, you can. Now that sounds that sounds great, and um, I think you really captured that. You know, while you're in the thick of these projects, there's a lot of things that you're not necessarily tracking. And when you get to the end of the project and you're looking back, um, it is nice to be able to really capture things that went well, the things that didn't go well. And like you were saying, the the number of uh, cycles of review and, you know, the number of different elements that went into the entire project and what does that mean and how can we make that better? How can we make our process more efficient? How can we give a better product to the client at the end? And, you know, and as we were talking about earlier in the podcast, really how you can make this whole thing more enjoyable for the people that are doing it, because it really does make a difference at at the end. You're enjoying what you're doing. So why don't we uh, tell our listeners a little bit more about the software itself? I heard that it has a really fun name, Adam. And why don't you introduce us to Adam and maybe uh, talk about one of the software divisions and and really what that's going to do for someone who's in this field. I would love to. And I am going to try to weave in some of our like best practices and ideas, the things that we do to to solve the problems that we hope to solve with Adam in general so that it's more applicable to anybody out there that's working on these things that don't have access to the tool right now. And so we try to kind of give you some ideas on what, what we've what we've realized as potential shortfalls and you can improve the efficiency of that process. So we try to loop all that in and not just make this a total infomercial. So Adam is the name ADDM or yeah, Advanced Deficiency Data Management. Now, there are two tools we've been alluding to constantly up to this point, and one is called Atom Track. Imagine this. That is the project management side of the coin. 
And then there's Adam Trent, and that's the regulatory feedback data analysis suite. So I will give a little introduction into how this, how we, you know, landed on Adam, uh, kind of build on what we talked about earlier, and then give you some road and what kind of the the challenges we faced with each software and what it does that's unique. So Adam, we again started out thinking, okay, we want to we want to be able to analyze historical data that has to do with efficiencies, and that was our main focus initially but then we realized oh another huge piece of this is not only being able to look back at our deficiency data and learn from it but we also want to be able to manage deficiency projects simultaneously and we thought about it as one app and we decided to split it into two because they they fundamentally fundamentally and um functionally diverged pretty pretty early on in the process when we think about deficiency data management i mean that's really we're talking about not only the ability to manage response projects and regulatory responses to feedback or regulatory communication. Yeah, we call it efficiencies, but it's not just efficiencies. It's any type of communication. And that has a really unique workflow insofar as there are many members of cross-functional teams that need to be looped into this. And this is done as a part of their job. Usually people that are, are working on this this isn't their main job. So there are, there's usually cases a regulatory affairs manager, which is kind of owns the entire submission cycle or submission project. And then they leverage SMEs from different divisions, R&D, quality, comply, uh, you know, uh, complaints, adverse events, monitoring, quality systems, different aspects of quality systems, right? So all these people need to come together to be able to answer questions because basically the technical file is captures basically everything you do from a compliance standpoint and beyond and it can it's entirely audited and, and it can be addressed in any way so we're working on these regulatory responses and we have a lot of people that are working together and we found that the coordination of this is tremendously challenging at times okay so imagine you're you've just received feedback right what we, what we started to do and found effective and several PMs in the industry have found to be effective is gather everyone in a meeting and we go through finding by finding or question by question and say, okay, who's going to take this? Who's going to take that? Then everybody gets on the same page at once and they can go forth and conquer, right? There are others that will do this at more of a ad hoc or siloed manner where the reg affairs manager will reach out to individual people and say, Oh, I need help with this. I need help with that. At the end of the day, no matter what the one person is collecting all these responses to feedback and then, you know, sending it out to review and making sure that things are done on, on the timeline, but there wasn't really any good tool to manage that workflow. So we built one, right? So this, the Adam track tool basically allows a user to create a project and that can be a submission. It could be a single document. It could be a workflow. It could be anything uh, and track it from pre-submission to post-submission with the understanding that they fundamentally changes. The things that you care about fundamentally change at each step of the process. So pre-submission, you're caring about getting the process done or the document written and getting it ready for submission, reviewed and ready for su submission. So that can be tracked. Uh, but you, it's also simple enough where you can, and seriously, in a kickoff meeting, create a project, make all the assignments, and then everybody can go their own way. Now, everybody that can be assigned a task can log in and they have a dashboard which shows them what they've been assigned, what projects, when it's all due, 
you know, and everybody can keep all this stuff straight because you may be working with Mike and R and D and you may think that Mike and R and D only is dealing with your submission, but he could be dealing with 15. You don't know, right? Well, you don't always know. Uh, so that will, you know, allow Mike to keep his stuff straight with no intervention on his own, right? All the rig affairs project managers just assigned him tasks, but it's all in one location and it's only the stuff that he cares about. It's not all everything unless he wants to see all of everything and then that's possible, but that's a, that's a different story. And those move to submission. And then when it's with, when it's being submitted, it, it's still a project, but you kind of want it to fall off your radar, right? Because it could be weeks, months on this and you need to work on other things, I assume. So you don't necessarily care about, you know, what was in the project, whatever, but you still want to keep it on the radar. So it stays on the radar. And then once you get responses back, now it's now it's you're moving into the communication with the agency. So what's displayed on the dashboard and what the characterization of the project, it changes. So now it's focused on you know, what are the items of communication? What needs to be done? What topics are they covering? Are they associated with documents? Who's handling them? What do they do? And then it gets even more complicated right? in, the, in the scenario where you, you have a series of like, say, 15 findings and four of them, you need to collect additional clinical data to be able to answer. So you'll submit on round one and say, okay, this is our plan to address this, but we need more clinical data. So that could take another few months or longer to be able to address, but it's still, it's still part of it. You may move on with other rounds of feedback for the other questions, but those still need to be addressed. So they should still live in the project management tool. So it's designed to be able to have that flexibility, yet be sim enough that literally almost immediately anyone can start using it and uh, creating projects and working with it. So again, it, it's, we worked really hard, many meetings about whether we, you know, we keep this feature or build that feature or, you know, and our goal is to give you enough functionality that it does everything that you need it to do, but not so much that it becomes bogged down or overcomplicated. And, you know, every user situation is going to be different. Um, and, and luckily these tools are, are fairly customizable uh, to your, your process and workflow. But yeah, so that was, that was it. So that's, and we wanted to tackle those issues. And I recommend yeah, for anyone out there really to, to come up with a system where you can, you can flow type of process through the same project management lifecycle, integrating tools along the way to help you keep track of all this stuff. Cause it's easy for it to fall off, off your radar and, or to become kind of out in the ether. And, and I think there's a lot of managed work that's done just to maintain these throughout the life cycle that can be automated. It makes me think of the whole visual of the duck with the feet going when you're dealing with all of these projects. And even within a project, you have so many moving parts. The feet are paddling and paddling and paddling. And from the outside, it might look smooth, but there's a lot going on. This is just an exciting new way to make sure that everything does keep moving along more smoothly. Honestly, to, to pull out another really probably bad analogy, but I, I can't even really count the number of times in a day that I'll say, look, I only have two hands. <laughs> I can only move so quickly. I only have two hands to deal with whatever is going on in front of me. And it sounds like this software is really giving you the extra hands. Like you were saying, sometimes you have a project and you get to a certain point and then you're waiting. You might be waiting for information. You might be waiting for feedback, a number of things. And it needs to stay active. It needs to stay in an important spot, but it needs to be 
kind of set aside. And in order to be able to keep that as an active part of the queue and to be able to be easily pulled up again for action, it really does require more than two hands. Oh, absolutely. I, lo- I love that analogy, right? You, you not only you have two physical hands, but you also have, you know, only to carry the metaphor for you, you only have two mental hands. And I don't know about your hands, but my hands are like not so good at juggling so many things at once. I'm the type of guy who's liable to like forget about finding six W, which we needed an extra RMR. We needed a note from risk management, but it's going to take him six weeks to be able to, to formulate it. Okay, well, then I'll forget about that and move on to another project. Like I can only keep so many things in the blinders, as it were. Uh, You only have so much bandwidth. You only have two hands. So why do you want to keep your hands busy doing like routine project management when you can eliminate some of that? And I think that for this to be effective, it needs to have universal buy in. The tool only works well if everybody wants to use it and likes using it. We do not want to add another thing to your workload or anything like that, like an effective project, you know, just in general, like an effective project management tool is only effective if there's buy-in. You know, you made a comment a little while ago about like, yeah, we considered the the perception of the regulatory affairs professional. No, no, no. We bothered and bugged and harassed everybody we could as many times as we could to say, okay, if you were going to build this, how would it look? What do you think of this structure? Do you think you need this feature? We wouldn't do anything in a vacuum. Like I wouldn't make a unilateral decision. I asked at least two people, do you think that it should go this way or that way? Do you find this to be valuable? And sometimes it was yes and no. And we had to make a tough decision on whether we, you know, build it way X or way Y. And so we would go out It wasn't just to like, hey, knock, knock. What do you think of this? What are your problems? Have a nice day. That was a good hour long meeting. It was week after week after week pulling people in to look at designs. Both of these applications are actually on their, one of them is on their, you know, really a V2 uh, second entire version. And the other one is I like V4. Like we designed it, built it, reimagined it, designed it, built it, reimagined it, pulled in uh, people that are really, really good at their jobs and their technology area to give us advice and really kept everybody at the, that was willing to uh, work with us involved throughout the entire process, which I think is really key. Yeah, I think it's very important that this was a collaborative venture. You know, you are the lead here, but you, like you said, you didn't work in a vacuum. You didn't make these unilateral decisions. You went out and really determined what were the needs for the people that are actually doing this work. And you've done this work, but again, you're one person. And I love that this really was a team approach. And I think it makes it that much better a platform when you're getting all of these perspectives, because the challenges that you ran into as a writer may not be the challenges that I run into or that our colleagues run into. And so getting those inputs from a lot of different sources is so critical to making something that's really solid at the end. It's the harder way to go. But for anybody that's building their own type of workflow or process or or tool to do this using either, you know, existing off the shelf software or something new, do that. It's harder. It's annoying. Your colleagues may not like you as much because it's kind of becomes it becomes annoying and it becomes extra work for them but honestly at the end of the day you'll have a product that everybody wants to use and yeah it may not be perfect for every single use case and every single person but if it's 
it's good enough for most people. They're going to start to use it. And if it, it, it makes their day and lives better and easier, they're going to use it. And if everybody's using it, then there's, you know, a, a exponential kind of value improvement. I don't know how to, how I would say that, but like the, the overall impact kind of grows, not just linearly, but almost exponentially because you're realizing benefits tangible and intangible across many different people and, and workloads and cycles. So again, 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 we come back to, you know, if you're working with software teams and the cutting edge, it's always move fast and break things. Don't, don't move fast and break everything, right? Go about this slowly. I don't care if you're building a, a new macro in Excel or looking at building an entire suite of software think about it, right? It is, it's great to be agile and we definitely use agile development methodology um, and scrum. But when it comes to requirements and stuff, stop, consider, I, I wrote up fake user bios for several different users like Patricia, the program manager and Ronald, the R and D guy and wrote, this is what this type of user wants. And this is what they're looking for. And they're okay with this level of complexity, but they're not going to tolerate blah, blah, blah. And, and really tried to balance those against each other and talked with software development engineers. We call it DevOps engineers, which are the people that help host software, talked with UI UX experts or user interface, user experience experts. And of course our regulatory professionals and, and really built these fake personas off people and, and carry those forward. It took more time. It was hard, but I really think at the end of the day, I mean, it's worth the realistically months of extra work of really doing the digging early on in the process. So coming back to like, I don't see you if you're just making an SOP to an entire suite of things, really, 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 really take a step back and think about who is using this apart from me and what do they want? Great. No, thank you, Jamie. And just just a quick summary of of what we're looking at with Adam Track. You know what it's giving to folks. It's, it's a really taking a lot of information, a lot of cross functionality, and it's actually bringing it together so that you can have this interdisciplinary team working together, working together smoothly. Everyone knows what they're assigned to do. Everyone understands their job in the process. And as that's unfolding, you know, when you have uh, reminders needed, when you have a, a pause in the process because of one reason or another, it really helps you to manage that and not balls aren't dropping and things aren't falling off the plate or whatever analogy you want to go to. It's really keeping everything together in a nice, cohesive fashion. And I think that's fantastic. And, and that's just such a powerful tool for uh, folks that are in the industry. It, it really, really is. And to piggyback on that point and to say something that that's all it does. That's it. Right. It's so it's it's that's an, another side of it. This is not going to replace word. This is not going to replace a lot of the things that you use on a day to day basis. It's not right. It's not meant to replace things that you have. It's meant to solve a problem you may be having right now. And it's simple. So it will just plug into what you're doing right now. You don't need to rewrite SOPs around this. We don't need to spend if you want to get Adam track going like I set it up for for you the other day in 15 minutes and you're ready to roll. There's no complicated configuration time. There's no, you know, really like out of the box. It's, it's going to work for you. But it, because of that, it is fairly simple in nature. That's something to, con to consider and to keep in mind, too. It's, it's not going to do everything for you. 
That's the point. So actually, uh, to follow up on that a little bit, you were talking earlier about, you know, in the initial design phase, you were doing the, you know, how to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Um, so is, is Adam Track going to allow for a little bit of deviation from that? Maybe you don't like jelly. Maybe you prefer peanut butter and Nutella or something like that. Is there a level of customization that can happen within that? Or is it nuts and bolts and it's going to be very specific and very functional for regulatory writing, but not a lot of wiggle. Can you talk about that a little bit? That's great. That's great. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. So for those, anyone out there working on regulatory specific project management workflow, uh, remember that for this to be really effective, you don't want to focus on just a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. You need to understand that at this shop, you're making sandwiches, right? And some people may be allergic to peanuts. Some people may like pastrami way more than they like peanut butter and jelly. So you need to be able to make your tool flexible enough to manage the production of all of the sandwiches. But at the end of the day, think about a Quiznos or a Subway or a favorite sandwich shop. There's some commonalities, right? You have your ingredients. There's a cutting board and a, for lack of a better term, an assembly line. And it follows like a process and a workflow. So basically we built the ability for people to make any type of sandwich within this application, but we didn't make it focused on one type or a few types of sandwiches, right? You can make, you can make an open faced Cuban or you can make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich I, either way. So the, the end user has the ability to customize it to the types of sandwiches that you want to make. I'm getting hungry. We always go to food analogies, Jen. Why do we? we, we, we I love it though. We've got cookies and anyway. Yeah. So that's, that's a great question. That, so that's kind of how we build it. We, we kind of zoomed out and said, okay, no, this isn't, you know, like we, we started down a road of like, let's make this hyper-focused on EU MDR submissions. And then we were like, wait, wait, no, 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 no. With only reconsidering the way and redesigning a few things, we can actually make it make it manage everything from briefing booklets and pre-sub meeting preparation to yeah, full tech file, MDR, EU MDR submissions, and, and it really everything in between. And again, the end user can, can set it up so they can do it. And we also at Global can set it up and configure it so that it's just ready to go for you right out of the box. That's fantastic. I, I really wanted to hear more about that because I, I know that, um, you know, you had so much time and thought put into the development. I didn't want our users to think that, okay, it's, it's limited, meaning that it may not be right for me. You know, it, it's really, it, it's limited in that it's meant for folks working in the regulatory industry, but it can do so many different things. So thank you, Jamie, for really um, clarifying that. So why don't we talk a little bit about the other side of the Atom platform, the uh, Adam trend. Tell, tell our listeners a little bit more about what that's going to bring them and, and why they really need to be using that software. Awesome. Awesome. And you don't need to use the software, but I think everyone should be looking at their regulatory feedback rigorously because it does hold a lot of secrets and good information for you and you can make your life and your job easier. It's, it's really a robust tool for, for collecting regulatory feedback data. Everyone who's dealt with regulatory feedback data understands it's unlike other types of data. It's qualitative and quantitative. It's categorical and not categorical. It's, there's some interpersonal elements there are many things that ex happen 
outside of the, I don't know, the submission itself, which impact it. We again looked at, okay, what do we have out there? What's out there right now as far as technology and tools to, for us to be able to do it. And I proof of concept, a few different things and looked at it and was like, Ugh, none of these are great, right? System A would have advantages in, in columns, a, you know, A, B, and C. System B would have advantages in columns X, Y, and Z. Uh, you know, some would have status requirements better than others, but there was no really one thing. So we came to the realization like, oh no, we, we really, the only way we can do this is to build the tool. Sometimes we'll be sharing information via our favorite spreadsheet applications and they get corrupted or the files get lost or somebody who doesn't want to deal with it and saves a local copy and adds a third more data. And then those copies can't be reconciled. So we were like, uh, the only way we can do this is with an online data management tool, like an online database system. That way there's what's called a single source of source of truth or one copy. Right. And everybody in the world can jump on it at any time and add data to this. Look at data. People can be working on it simultaneously. and It's not going to get corrupted. In addition to that, it's highly secure. You don't know where your files go. You know, if you, you say you use Dropbox or something as a file repository, like if, if you don't have tight controls on that, you may not know who's getting into what. And this information can be, you know, while it's not like perfect, protected health information, it has incredible business value. And it get into the wrong hands or, you know, from a disgruntled employee sent to other manufacturers, it could cause issues. So it's really important that this information stays secure. So what do we do? We built an application that is designed to collect the data and metadata associated with regulatory feedback and then make it so that it's highly searchable and queryable as well as uh, can be visualized in a, in a powerful data visualization platform. So there's three main elements to this. There's a data input element, which basically there are a series of forms that allow you to collect data on devices or products, on the audit itself, on the findings of the audit, and then portions of the maintain which may have been audited or implicated in audit. So you can start to map not only like audits to devices or findings to devices, but you can map, you can map data and, and relate data across all of these, all of these inputs, documents, people, vendors, budgets, review cycles, auditors, regulatory profiles, time of the year, date, all those things, size of the team. We, we have the ability to collect data on all of those parameters and more, but not forced on you. And we understand that everybody's submissions, workflows, and processes are different. So we made the application such that while, again, we're going back to the sandwich, we have the sandwich assembly line, but everything within that line can be customized uh, pretty easily by us or by you. And we also know how tremendously time intensive it is to upload this information. So we've built automated upload tools, like a tool where you can drop in a list of documents and it will automatically upload all the information for those documents. So you don't have to do it by hand. They may exist in a spreadsheet already. Uh, we have a very neat tool which can actually read regulatory finding documents or like deficiency letters and pull out what was the manufacturer response? What was the agency's communication? What was the resolution of this? How many rounds were there? That type of information. So you don't have to manually enter that by hand because it gets pretty tedious. Now, there are things like for findings specifically, we ask people to categorize findings by categories and subcategories. That needs to be done by a person subjectively. So we can't automate that necessarily, 
Uh, but a lot of the steps that we can automate, we've worked to automate to, to really reduce the burden. Cause that's a lot of the things that I've, I've heard across the industry and going out and talking to many people about this is, is yeah, I want to do that. That sounds so cool, but I don't have the time to enter the data. We're trying to reduce that barrier as far as possible. So to summarize all that it's web-based, so it can't be corrupted. We've thought and rethought and thought again about how to enter data and how to make that as easy as possible while making it as powerful as possible. We use a data visualization suite, which is used by a lot of companies, which is unbelievable. It produces unbelievable uh, data visualizations, which are highly interactive, highly dynamic. Um, it's updated in real time with your data. It can, the dashboards can be shaped in any way that you want. So every company that, that starts using this, this program not only can all the forms be customized and the data inputs basically be customized, but all the dashboards can be customized to you and what you, what you want to look at and think about it. Like, instead of you having to assemble all these findings at the end, like say you're the you know VP of reg affairs or a high level manager and you need to give synopsis to the board, like you can just log into the system and get the high level facts, export the dashboard and go. You don't have to, compile all this data and and count it yourself and create graphs it's already done and then on top of that think of put yourself in the position imagine this you're writing a cer but you're going in and you're like man i don't you know i've got this feedback and i i don't know you know i don't even know how to start to answer it well you can go in and, and quickly identify okay so it was on labeling and it was on the indication statement and uh, or, or the IFU or something like that indication. I don't know where you classify that necessarily, but maybe different places. But yeah, so you have the same thing. You're like, I, this got to be have been asked before, but I don't really know what the best approach to answer it. Well, you can go in and then if people have added that in the past, you can see, OK, well, this group tried to answer it this way and it was successful. And this group tried to answer it that way and it wasn't successful. And you did that. And you didn't have to email anyone. You didn't have to ask anyone. You didn't have to do like seconds you can get that information in seconds and then you can use that and apply it and you're not reinventing the wheel every single time and then you know quarterly or months a month you can get together with your team and say okay here's all the feedback we got over the last quarter and this is you know we're seeing it really pop up in these six categories and within that six categories really these these items so how can we improve our templates and our processes to go for it and and again like i think that that's really what's powerful that that process can bring you a lot of not only less headaches with dealing with these, but also um, it will save your entire organization time and money um, in the long run. You don't necessarily need Adam Trend to do that, but Adam Trend is built for that. So it sounds like that's really something that's going to, it's going to make the process so much better. Um, and, you know, it's really going to give everyone the information that they need at their fingertips. and. I am really excited about um, using something like this because you're right. You were saying, you know, you, you want to find out the best way to respond to a regulatory agency or the best way to address a particular piece of feedback. And you are often finding yourself you know, reaching out to team members, trying to connect with colleagues, maybe digging through. In our case, we use SharePoint or, you know, some other shared document system to try to find what do I need? You know, where am I going to go? What's the best way to respond to this? And with something like Adam Trend, it sounds like that would absolutely, absolutely be at your fingertips 24 seven. And so if you're someone like me that tends to work very weird hours, <laughs> I am trying not to bother my colleagues at one in the morning when I need a particular piece of information. 
And Adam Trent could actually solve that problem for me and just give me that piece of information without even being bothered. I didn't wake it up or anything. <laughs> and maybe you don't even have to work at 1 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, exactly. And it's so funny that you say that because, you know, in, in our process of, of creating, you know, user profiles and personas and really understanding what we need to build, we heard people that don't care about that at all. They don't, they're like, I don't care. You know what I care about is ending a week once a quarter, compiling this information to give to my director, right? Can you do that? Yep. It can do both of those things. And then I, I had, you know, I've heard from other people, I don't really care about reporting to my manager, but what I really care about is staying on top of budgets. Can we, t can we associate uh, budgets and costs with documents or findings and, and figure out how to cut costs and save money? Yep. But say person A really cared about getting reports to their managers, have no idea about how much things cost to produce. They're all salary, you know, and, and they don't necessarily track that information. Don't care at all. The guy, the other guy doesn't really need to do reports. He's kind of the end all be all of, of project management. He or she, they, they, that person didn't care at all about the being able to export reports. What they really cared about was being able to track budgets. Well, how do we make it so that this application can serve both of those purposes without becoming overly cumbersome. And that was something that we really needed to consider because like, think about it, like the more data points you add, you have to add that potentially you have to add that information for every single data point, which when you're talking about, well, I want to add 2000 findings for the last three years. I mean, that it really kind of ramp up, even if it takes you 30 seconds, 30 seconds times 2000, right? You're starting to talk about some real time. So, you know, we, we really make this flexible enough so that like each of those, all three of you guys can get what you need w without having to do things that you don't necessarily want to do. Uh, and it works for you. Um, that's harder to do than, than just trying to collect every single piece of information. And believe me, you know, if anybody that was involved in the design, like really involved in the design process, you know, chuckle when I say this, but like we started out with this unbelievable mountain of information that we wanted. Like what color shoelaces was the assistant writer on the blah, blah, you know, like just ridiculous. And, and um, we realized we really took, spent some time and saying like, OK, we're collecting this piece of data. What questions are we going to answer with it? We took a very scientific approach towards it. Like, what are you actually asking? Uh, because we could ask a million different questions and, you know. The 99.8% of them, nobody really cares about, uh, or it doesn't really bring any value. So we, we spent a long time, months refining, do we need to ask this? What way do we need to ask this? How should this form be structured so that it works for all three of you potential users in a way that makes sense for you? So I wanted to circle back to one point, um, and you did touch on this a bit, um, but I'd, I'd like to reinforce it because one of the things that we've been talking about throughout this episode is, you know, the level of efficiency that uh, a person wants to bring to their product and, and their project. You know, these two platforms are really going to up that level of efficiency, but with any system that's dealing with a lot of data. And I mean, both of these are really dealing with a lot of data at any given time. You do have that level of, okay, how much time is it really going to take to get this all together? You know, and you talked a bit about some of the automation, but to, you know, bring it back to that for our listeners, because I know a lot of us 
are hesitant to step into new platforms, to step into new ventures, because we're worried about how much time is this really going to take away from my day? Is this worth it? Is this going to actually make me more efficient? So could you just talk a little bit about that? Again, I know you touched on it, but I'd I'd love to bring it back to that efficiency level and what it's really the value that it's going to bring to someone who's using these platforms. That's a, that's a great question. And I think that, you know, yeah, this does characterize some of the value that it could bring, but this is just my recommendation for anybody that's embarking on this process and trying to do this for themselves. Most people, most people working on these will have some type of scientific background. So they will inevitably approach things with what are the questions that I want to ask first or what are the questions that I want to ask, whether it's that exact terminology or, or whatever. They usually, usually scientists start there as opposed to looking at the data and then formulating questions after, um, which you also can do. Neither approach is best in <laughs> this scenario. What you really want to start with is what information is going to change the way that we do things? What information can we actually get from these reports? If you think about it, you know, like we, yes, we have a data automated data upload tool, um, for, for automating, like uploading findings and finding text, but that's only a, that's a very small part. I mean, that's really, that's an, that's an outcome. That's basically like your dependent variable. And there's several independent variables that you can consider that, that flow into this. So first things first, inst- I mean, even before asking questions like what, what, what could impact, really impact what we do here? And then, then you want to come up with, with questions. If we're going to interrogate this, this regulatory communication or feedback data, what, what do we do in order to build and have an impact? What questions do we need to ask about? Are we seeing a shift in question types based on a change in regulatory uh, feedback. If we work with multiple notified bodies, do they approach similar product types the same way? Then you want to start to to figure out, okay, what is the bare minimum amount of data that I need to be able to answer those questions in a way that's impactful? And when to the end of the day, when you get done with it, you may have a lot less information than you thought you needed. Honestly, I mean, you can get some really valuable information with collecting a handful of data points. And yeah, if you want to expand this data set later, yeah, you're going to have to start over. But can you imagine like a lot, a big thing I say a lot and I've read in, in many books pertaining to software development is, is really is 80, 20 rule, like 80% of the values and 20% of the features. And I found that to be true in a tremendous amount of situations, software related and not software related. So really what are the, what is going to bring you 80% of the value and can you do it with 20% of the work? You know, as everybody else knows, like it, getting from 80 to 90 may take twice or three times as much work as it took to go from zero to 80. So what's that cut point? That's something that you would want to bring when you're looking at this data, because honestly, you, you could compile enough data for actionable insights fairly quickly if you just are really focused. Thank you, Jamie. Thank you. Um, and, you know, I want to just do a quick summary of, you know, we've talked about so much today. These are really exciting applications, or at least I I might be biased. I think they're quite exciting. Um, But I love that the initial approach was, you know, how can we make our lives better? How can we make what we're doing every day here more enjoyable? How can we make it more efficient? And that was the starting question. You took the team approach. You really talked to your colleagues. You talked to those in the industry and you said, 
you know what, this is a need that needs to be filled. I'm going to fill it and we're going to figure out how to fill it. And in doing so, you designed two applications that are really, I think, going to change the way that those of us that work in regulatory writing, regulatory management are going to approach our projects. Um, the first one is Adam Track, and Adam Track is really allowing folks to more efficiently manage multiple projects. And as you said, Jamie, we all have multiple projects every day. You know, you might be working for more than one client even. So just the more you have to juggle, the more hands you need, Adam Track is going to give you that extra stability in your day, that extra efficiency. And it's going to really allow your team to work more efficiently together. You've got folks doing a number of different tasks in a number of different areas. And each of them has their own level of workload on top of the project that you're collaborating on. So it's it's really a great tool for collaborative ventures and also even just for yourself to keep track of those multiple balls that are in the air, to go back to the juggling analogy. And then Adam Trend is allowing us to look at the feedback from these activities. So we're doing all of the work and we're using Adam track to keep us on schedule, on time, you know, moving ahead with our projects. And you were using Adam trend to look at the feedback, the feedback from agencies, the feedback from within, you know, as a company, um, how efficiently did we approach this project? Where did we stay on budget? If we didn't stay on budget, where did we run into that snag? If there's documents or pieces of documents that were difficult to put together, what, what happened? You know, where did we have those little trips and falls? And as you said, where did we have those big successes? What things are going really well for us? And what as a team, as an individual, as a company, what can we keep doing to take those successes to the next level? Because even if you're really good at something, there's always room for growth. Um, there's always a way to take what you're doing and really just make it shine that much more. And I, I believe in that. I mean, every day I try to look at what can I do with the writing that I'm doing, the data analysis that I'm doing, and what can I do to make that just, just a, even a little bit better. And I think that's a great goal for folks to strive toward. And I really see where Adam Trend can help us all to pull out that extra bit out of our projects. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying that well, but you know what I'm getting at the, the, that extra little effort that can come out of a project that can be put toward a project. Adam Trent's going to shine a light on that. That was a beautiful summary. That's the excitement that we have for it. You know, back to that 80, 20 thing. I mean, think about if you're going from zero, you're not looking at your regulatory feedback at all to doing literally anything, you will be shocked. I, I think it, the, the trends that will pop out and, you know, what's not monitored isn't managed, right? It, you know, that, that, that saying, and, and if you start monitoring, it's going to be managed and it's going to be improved. So I think, you know, for those that are doing this to some degree, it's definitely could help streamline the process. But for people that aren't doing it to any degree, I mean, it's taking a step back, like, you know, Global is here. We are a company. We would love for you to use our software. We've built it, you know, so you don't have to, but, you know, feel free to use some of these ideas and potentially do this on your own. If, if you want to, please contact us and I, I would be happy to, 
or some one of my colleagues would be happy to give you a demo and it may give you some ideas of like yeah maybe we're not ready for that right now or, or it doesn't quite fit us right now but this is potentially a way we, we could change what we're doing to to make our lives easier or improve the quality of our regulatory submissions and on that note i mean we're never this is never going to be done we're, we're always going to be looking at ways to improve it uh, and, and add functionality and, and benefits without really without detracting from its main mission or, or derivating from its purpose and goals. So, so it's, you know, this is constantly a work in progress. Really, it, honestly, like if you, you are interested and you want a demo, you'd be surprised at what we're charging for it. I mean, this is really like this is we're trying to get this out of the industry to make everybody's lives better because we know that we work with a lot of PMs and people out there that are are, are really, really doing everything that they can. Uh, and so if there's any way that we can add in a few hours back a week or a month into their lives and schedules and improve their, you know, working life a bit, I mean, that's, that's really, really important for us. And that's really why we did this. That sounds great. And again, I would encourage anyone listening, if you have even a slight interest in what these platforms can do for you, uh, reach out to Jamie, you know, reach out to the team, uh, get a demo, even just explore uh, the website a bit to see, you know, what is it that Adam can do for me? And I think you're going to be really interested in learning more about that. And, you know, I could I could actually talk about this all day. I mean, I love the idea of, you know, making our lives more efficient and, you know, taking these platforms to the next level. And I, I love the work I do. I love working at Global. I mean, I it sounds like we're plugging global throughout this podcast. And, and in a way we are. Um, I know Jamie and I are both really happy to be here and happy with the work that we're doing. So having these platforms to make it more efficient, more enjoyable is wonderful. But, you know, even when you have these great tools, you know, it, it is a lot of work and we work hard throughout the week. And uh, we have a tradition here at Chasing Compliance that our guests answer a question for us. And that question is, what do you do, Jamie, at the end of the week? It's Friday. You finished up. You've had a really fantastic week. You've conquered some goals that you wanted to conquer, and you are going to kick back and celebrate. What are you doing on that Friday evening? What's your ideal Friday evening celebration, kickback, whatever you want to say? Uh, Jen, that is an awesome question. I, it's so funny for me because I always I can remember how I ask it every time. Like, life is hard. Work is hard. Anyway. What do I do? And it has been an exciting couple of months. Okay, really busy getting these applications finished and ready to go for prime time. So what do I do? What do I like to do? To be very honest, I like to get takeout and eat dinner with my 18 month old daughter and wife and her sister who lives with us and very, very much enjoy that. And then I tuck into video games for as long as that I, I can stay up. I've yeah, it's it's video game Friday. Everybody knows as soon as my daughter's in bed, I'm downstairs and I'm going to play that until I basically fall asleep. That's how I unwind on Fridays. And that's my favorite thing to do. That sounds like a great way to wrap up the week. Thank you again, Jamie, so much for being here today, for sharing with us everything about Adam and GRTO. And really, we can't wait to have you in the hot seat again. Um, but I know that our listeners will hear you again as the host of Chasing Compliance. But thank you so much for being here today. Thank you, Jen. You have been fantastic. And thank you to everybody out there. And we'll, we'll chat again soon. Thank you for listening to this episode of Chasing Compliance. 
If you're interested in learning more about either Atom Track or Atom Trend or other regulatory technology offerings provided by Global Regulatory Technology Operations or Global in general, please visit us at www.globalrto.com. That's www.globalrto.com. Or email us at info at globalrto.com. If you have any questions on any content covered in this podcast or any other podcast, please feel free to reach out to us at our main Global RWC website at globalrwc.com or email us at info at globalrwc.com. We'd be happy to provide you with additional educational materials or have a conversation with you. If you liked today's episode, please tell a colleague, like, subscribe, or comment. And until next time, we wish you continued compliance.